This is Sarah Lemon, author of the Holdish blog and food writer for the Mail Tribune newspaper in Southern Oregon. This podcast is produced for the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. You can find it online at mailtribune.com forward slash podcasts and on my blog, The Whole Dish, at blogs.esouthernoregon.com forward slash rogue hyphen valley hyphen food. My column in this week's a la carte relates my pride in having kids who are pretty good eaters. It's not always perfect. We do have some meal times that go more smoothly than others, but generally speaking, as I relate in my column, I've been fortunate that food isn't this battleground and exercise and whining, crying, (laughs) hair tearing by parents who just can't get their kids to eat anything. I certainly don't want to cast a negative light on parents who really are doing their best and they're presenting what they view to be healthy options. I really intended in my column to discuss sort of techniques that can elevate the best of intentions and sort of ensure a little bit more success for everyone, for kids and parents alike. And some of my advice certainly stems from interviews that I've done over the years with some childcare experts, and I related some of these tips in the May issue of Oregon Healthy Living magazine with a story that I wrote that had the headline, Yuck to Yum, <laughs> was all about how to deal with finicky eaters and encourage adventurous eaters, which is really what food is all about, taking a negative experience for some kids and really turning it into a positive. My boys have their very distinct tastes. I have a six-year-old son and a four-year-old son. The older one is definitely of a more carnivorous inclination. He really likes meat. He's pretty wary of vegetables. He has a few that he likes, and there are his absolute non-negotiable foods among them, tomatoes. He just won't even touch one. And if you ask his four-year-old brother what his favorite food is, I mean, do you think you're going to get something like macaroni and cheese? A tomato! Tomatoes! <laughs> when I ask him, what do you like that I make for dinner? Tomatoes. They are very different in, in their taste, but I managed to make meals that appeal, I hope, to everyone. At least most of the time it seems that way. There's some some techniques that I've hit on over the years ever since I kind of stopped sneaking the healthy stuff into my kids' food. You know, I certainly have done the finely minced kale and applesauce when they were babies. I've done roasted winter squash stirred into macaroni cheese. It does not fool them. (laughs) And in fact, I kind of sympathize with them. You know, you want macaroni and cheese. Your palate is really set for that. And it's a big bummer when someone puts something weird in your macaroni and cheese that you're just not expecting in terms of color, in terms of flavor. So, I mean, I even had some sympathy on my kids the other night when I was making, resorting to boxed macaroni and cheese as a very last minute dinner, not having planned anything. And that's an item that I have actually kept in my pantry long before I had kids, specifically Annie's 
white cheddar shells, which my husband and I have always enjoyed with a can of really good quality tuna and frozen peas and seasoned with some dried dill or of course fresh herbs if we have those on hand makes it an even better chopped fresh chives being a favorite. I was going to make that for the kids. I didn't have the frozen peas. I realized I had failed to stock those and I always make a point of keeping them on hand, but it just hadn't made it onto the grocery shopping list. So I went with broccoli. I was eating this with them and I really wanted the vegetable. And I thought, gosh, they are just going to give me a hard time if they see broccoli in their macaroni and cheese. And so what I very simply did was stopped the preparation process. And I talk about this in my column, which is also titled The Whole Dish. And those columns, which appear bi-weekly in the Mail Tribune food section, a la carte, can be located at mailtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash food. Back to the macaroni and cheese and my philosophy that any dish can be made palatable to pretty much any member of the family. That's one of my main concepts with what I consider to be the whole dish, feeding the whole family, fulfilling everyone's dietary needs and giving everyone something they can enjoy. In this case, what I did is I was boiling the macaroni noodles, was going to add the broccoli just to lightly blanch kind of the last couple of minutes of cooking. And then, of course, drain that and proceed with making the, the sauce from the packet of, of cheese and the butter and the milk. And instead of mixing it all back together, which is how I intended to eat mine, it was broccoli mixed in with macaroni and cheese, mixed in with the tuna, I very simply removed just a few pieces of broccoli from the whole batch and transferred those to my boys' plates. And they have these little recycled plastic plates that have individual compartments. There's one big one, and then there's two smaller ones. You know, and it maybe seems still to be a, a little babyish, I guess, at four and six, but these plates actually work really well. And of course, I don't have to worry about the plate somehow getting broken because believe it or not at four and six they my older son my six-year-old still manages to upset his entire plate onto the floor every, every now and then so I, I like to stick with these plates they like them they're in fun colors and then it allows me to keep items on the plate separate some people may think that this is promoting pickiness In my opinion and in my experience, it is simply highlighting for kids the individual characteristics of the different foods so they can see them and they can experience them. I don't think it's breeding selective eating. I think it is fully acquainting kids with a specific food. In this case, the broccoli was in a separate component of their plate, dressed with just a little bit of butter. They like a squeeze of lemons on it sometimes. And the macaroni and cheese was in another spot. They could enjoy their creamy macaroni and cheese the way they had expected it all along. And then they could eat the broccoli at their leisure without picking around it without it sort of marring the effect of their beloved macaroni and cheese, and they were still getting their vegetable. They were simply able to confront it, the least liked part of their meal, sort of on their own terms. It's there, 
It is meant to be eaten. They know that they're supposed to eat everything on their plate, but they can still enjoy their macaroni and cheese without the broccoli interfering, so to speak. And I find that this technique works really well. I talk about in my column this week how I do the same exact thing if as a family we're having a large dinner salad, for example, and if it was presented to my kids all jumbled up together, all the parts and pieces, they wouldn't really know what to do with it. Whereas if I put the crumbled bacon on one part of their plates, half of a hard-boiled egg on another part of the plate, the greens with some salad dressing for dipping in one section and croutons in another section and, and maybe anything else we're having with the salad. Of course, my younger son absolutely goes crazy for tomatoes, as I said. My older son, that's being a deal breaker. I leave them off his plate. But they manage all of that admirably. They eat all of it. We're not having to get coax them to eat a salad because they can enjoy their bacon. They can enjoy their piece of egg. They dip their lettuce leaves again at their leisure. And everyone's happy for the most part. Again, it's not a fail-safe we do have some meal times that are more difficult than others, but it it's a really great overall technique that one that I will uphold. In my column, I, I go into some detail about poke bowls, how poke bowls with raw yellowtail tuna have become one of our favorite family meals. And kind of against all expectations that my kids would eat raw tuna, they absolutely do in this dish. Again, it's the concept that everyone can kind of make their plate, kids and adults alike, the way they want. We start with the sushi rice, and I detail the recipe in my column in, in this week's a la carte. It's a very, very simple process with just short grain sushi rice, widely available these days in bulk food sections of most grocers, water, and then a very, very straightforward seasoning common to sushi rice that's basically rice vinegar, sugar, and salt. And it's really just a method of cooking and ensuring that those grains don't stick together. That's the basis for this, of course, and find all the instructions in this week's column. The tuna itself is just diced, sort of medium diced, half inch to inch cubes. And it's tossed in tamari sauce and lemon juice, fresh squeezed lemon juice, a little bit of rice wine vinegar. And of course, the essential ingredient in this is the Japanese mayonnaise. It's different in flavor and texture than American mayonnaise. It completely transforms the tuna into what you get in sushi restaurants. The tuna itself doesn't even really taste the way you think of that spicy tuna sushi or poke until you have the Japanese mayonnaise on that. So that's a must have. That's becoming more widely available on the Asian foods aisles of large grocers or Medford's Asia grocery market certainly has it. I've picked it up there. The sky is the limit depending on what your family likes for the accoutrements. We do shredded cabbage a lot of the time dressed with lime juice or rice wine vinegar. When mangoes are in season and those have been lately, those are really lovely sliced and arranged to one side. Avocado, a huge selling point for a lot of people 
tomatoes for our younger son. Everyone enjoys cucumbers and, you know, maybe even julienne bell peppers, sweet bell peppers would be nice. Snow peas have been really, really lovely here in the early summer. They're starting to fade now on local farms, but are still widely available in grocery stores, just lightly steamed snap peas as well. Raw served on the side for kids who like snap peas for dipping asparagus in the early spring. Lightly steamed asparagus is another lovely touch. Little microgreens maybe, the anaki mushrooms that come in packages in a lot of grocery stores add a nice little crunch, daikon radish maybe, or just standard radish. My younger son will just pull those up out of the garden and just eat them before you can hardly get a chance to wash them off if um, kids are of that inclination. So it can really be a way to explore a wide variety of foods and a you know, fairly safe canvas of rice. We counted it a win that our kids ate the raw fish, particularly when they dipped it in the mayonnaise. Maybe other families kids are not anywhere near ready for that texture, that flavor, but it can be a really, really great way to get a wide variety of fruits and veggies on the plate and point out, look at how colorful these are. Isn't this so much fun? Our plate looks like a rainbow. It sounds trite, but with kids, of course, it's all about really building up that experience. And maybe your family would prefer cooked fish, maybe a nice lightly roasted piece of salmon would be the way to go with this. I think it it's wide open to interpretation. On that note, I was going to share some additional tips in this podcast from some of my experts quoted in my article in the May edition of Oregon Healthy Living magazine. I interviewed Emily Ridbaum from Stone Medical in Ashland. She's a board-certified holistic nutritionist, as well as Dr. Mary Murdoch of Southern Oregon Pediatrics in Medford. And they each offered some, I, I thought, very helpful and not necessarily obvious tips for parents out there who are battling finicky eaters. Emily came up with the color and um, appearance of the food, really playing that up for kids and making kind of a game out of that. She also suggested sort of along the same lines of asking kids to get involved in the kitchen, asking kids to get involved in the grocery shopping, having them choose some of the family's wholesome food, what they think looks good. If you have a recipe that can accommodate either broccoli or cauliflower, for example, ask the kid which one they think looks better. Do they like the white cauliflower? Or maybe there's even a a really fun purple cauliflower I've seen a lot of the time. Or do they like the green broccoli? Or maybe they like the green Romanesco, which is somewhere kind of in between broccoli and cauliflower, but kind of looks like prehistoric dinosaur spikes. I know my older son would be really into that. Have a different venue for shopping as well, perhaps if it fits into the family's budget, such as farmer's markets or other types of specialty stores like the Asia Grocery Market in Medford. Dr. Mary Murdoch advocates arranging times for children to spend time with peers who have healthful eating habits. Kids who maybe are sort of 
lagging behind in one area, such as developing a, a wide array of, of food preferences, will often rise to the occasion of modeling positive behaviors when they see other kids their age doing it. And particularly if they're removed from their usual environments and routines, if they're not with their parents, if they're at someone else's home, you know, they're often more inclined to just follow suit because it's, you know, like herd mentality. They're just going along with what everyone else is doing. That can be helpful in fostering some more adventurous eating habits, getting outside the box. And of course, she says, acknowledge at the same time, no one's eating habits are perfect, as I admitted in this column. Neither kids nor parents. If the day just did not lend itself to presenting healthy meals, don't dwell on that failure. Welcome the opportunity to do better the next day and maybe do a little bit of advanced planning to ensure that that can happen. You're not going to be able to provide a well-balanced meal at every meal, she says. Both experts did admonish parents against preparing separate meals for kids. Again, what I'm advocating doing slightly different presentations or stopping the preparation at one point, spooning out portions and then seasoning the adults portions more highly is not making your kids chicken McNuggets when you're having, you know, a a nice steak, for example. It's important to maintain the culture of the family sharing a meal is Emily Ridbaum's opinion. And I couldn't agree more. We have a great time most of the time around our dinner table, no whining zone. And when we're all done, we're not above offering treats in very reasonable quantities. Dessert is not an every night affair at my house, but a little scoop of ice cream certainly is an appropriate reward on occasion for branching out and trying some unfamiliar foods in particular. And then, you know, maybe we play a game as a family and that's sort of how we go about our family eating culture. And I hope that some of those tips can help parents out there who are really wanting to foster that and just not sure exactly which direction to go. So find my column on encouraging adventurous eaters in this week's food section at mealtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash food and go back and check out that May edition of the Oregon Healthy Living magazine that I wrote with the head under the headline yuck to yum <laughs> and you can find more recipes on my blog the whole dish at blogs.esouthernoregon.com forward slash rogue hyphen valley hyphen food thanks for listening to and reading the whole dish